Stories. Everybody's got them, and we can learn from each other. History can be traced through letters and writings, but the one thing that has remained throughout the generations is the oral tradition. Oral history is one attempt to pass along the stories, tales, musings, and remembrances of one family for the benefit of listeners for generations to come. Join us now for this episode of Oral History with Jeff Zilkowski. Thanks for joining us today. I want to take an opportunity again to do a little aside from where we've been. And a couple of episodes ago, I talked about anxiety. Today, I want to talk about something that everybody encounters and no one escapes, and that's the idea of wounds. Wounds happen so often in our lives. Physical wounds happen. I recently had a fall um, walking into a, a place of business, I missed a step and I fell to my knees and my hands and thankfully my hands didn't take the br- brunt of the fall and I pulled some ligaments in my arms a little bit, but mostly my knees took the to, took all the pain. Um, tore open a, about a one and a half inch size hole in my right knee through almost all the layers of the dermis and it was a ugly wound. It bled pretty badly, and sorry for those of you who are queasy, but um, it was just a matter of getting it cleaned and getting it taken care of and keeping it clean and keeping it watched and putting a Band-Aid on it and things of that nature. But after a while, a long while, for me at least, um, it has started to heal, and it's going to heal, but it's never going to be the same. There's going to be a scar left behind. And I've had several of these. I fell on my bike when I was about eight years old. I turned out of a driveway into our street, which was covered in pea gravel, and tore open the same knee and had to go to the emergency room. And I remember watching the doctor as he propped my knee up on a table and took out this thing that looked kind of like a rounded putty knife and he began flicking out the pieces of rock out of my knee and how painful it was and how when it was all done there was this part of my skin that was smooth and it didn't have any feeling left like I could touch that one little part that that scar and I couldn't feel anything there and I say all that because we have those kinds of wounds we get broken bones and fingers and ribs. I had five ribs broken when Alexa was a baby. Um, we were in, I was in the shower and Riss handed me this little toddler and we were, got her cleaned up and I decided to rinse her off. So I held her up to the faucet and she was a strong kid, even as a baby. And she pushed against the wall of the bathtub And I remember my feet going out from under me and in what seemed like something that was playing out in slow motion, but it really happened quite fast. I knew the only thing I could do at that moment was to get my little girl on the ground safely and whatever it took, I was going to do that. And what it took was me hitting the side of the bathtub with the ribs on the right side of my rib cage full force, my full body weight landing on five ribs. And I got my little girl on the ground. I yelled for my wife and my wife opens the door to the bathroom. My little girl's standing on the towel, no worse for wear. And I'm laying in the tub, barely able to breathe 
let alone speak. And I told my wife, we're going to have to go to the emergency room. Our bathtub is plastic, thankfully, so it flexed. And to this day, you can see where it flexed and pulled away from the wall with the brunt of my body weight. And I broke five ribs, and it was a clean break. And you spend some time off work, and and you heal, and you make sure you continue to breathe, and you do all your exercises, and you do everything that you need to do to heal. But in all of those cases, torn knee, broken ribs, broken arm, whatever it might be, there's a physical manifestation of that. I've had many people walk up to me with this knee gouge and basically ask me, are you okay? What happened? And I would tell them. But sometimes the wounds happen and nobody can see them. And this can happen in a relationship with a friend or with a spouse or a child or family member or in a church. And these are the wounds that hurt the most and are the hardest to heal, but they go through the same process. They're raw for a while, and then they begin to heal. And when they heal, sometimes afterward, you don't feel anything where they're at. But every time we open ourselves up to a relationship, every time we open our hearts up to someone in whatever type of relationship, we're likely to be wounded. Because each of us, and I can only speak for me, we're selfish. We're not always thinking of others. More often, we're thinking about ourselves. And that's when the woundings happen. I think about a wounding that happened between a dear friend and, and myself. I was living in Nashville, and he and I were living together and working together. And I may have spoken about this a little bit before, but the situation was we had a common room. We each had a bedroom, but then we had a common living room. And I did what I thought was a good deed one day. I decided to clean everything, and I moved stuff, and I cleaned behind things, and I uh, just did a, the best job I possibly could. But in moving things around, I exposed a small packet of decon rat poison that was behind one of the bookcases. And I just didn't think about what that meant because my friend had a dog, and I never thought the dog would go after it. A couple days later, I come rolling up in my car and I pull into the carport and I'm met by my friend and he's standing in the driveway and he is absolutely beside himself because his dog got into the rat poison and ate it. And he looked at me and he goes, you tried to kill my dog. And I don't know if that's what he said, but that's what I heard. And I didn't deal with it well. I didn't deal with it very well for a very long time. In fact, what I did was I tried what many of us try is let's slap a Band-Aid on it, let's ignore it, and maybe it'll go away. And in this case, this wound didn't go away. It didn't get better. It started to fester and it started to get infected. And it started to really deteriorate my relationship with my friend. 
I started to view everything that he did through the lens of my hurt. If I were seated next to him on the couch and got up and wanted to walk past him and he didn't lift his feet off of the coffee table for me to get by, well, that was just the way he was. And that's, that's the kind of person he is because of the wounding that was there. And it got so bad, it took somebody intervening, and that somebody was our boss. We were traveling with Steve Green at the time, and um, he's a Christian recording artist, and we were getting on the bus one Friday night for a long trip to Florida, uh, about a 13-hour trip, and I remember walking down the center aisle, and I was in front, and my friend was behind me, and Steve physically restrained me. He put his hand out and he said, I don't know what's going on between the two of you, but something's going on and everybody knows it and you guys need to go and you need to take care of it. He said, go in the back lounge, which was where he slept. He said, you guys talk it out. He said, if it takes all night and we have to do your jobs for you tomorrow, he said, that's what we'll do. But you guys have got to go and talk about this. And so we did. We put our stuff away and we holed up in the back room for a while. And there was a lot of tense, not talking and talking about frivolous things. And, and then I just decided to go. I decide, decided to talk about that first event and then everything else that had transpired after that. And honestly, my friend understood the very first event, but everything after that he was completely incredulous about it. Like he just didn't understand what I was referring to. It was not what he was. It was not who he was. It was not how he was acting. He wasn't acting in any particular way. He wasn't being rude intentionally toward me. It was all because I didn't deal with the wound. And so we talked it out and we prayed together and we, we walked out of that room that night out of that back lounge of that bus better than we ever were. And honestly, would I have traded that whole thing for it having not happened at first? Yes, obviously, for the sake of his dog, who did survive um, and who we later buried together in the backyard. But at that point... We grew closer through the fire and the trial of that wound and the healing of that wound, and we became better friends because of it. And that's the part that we don't often get. Sometimes the trial, the, the conflict, the, the hurt the difficulty that we have with someone is really a learning opportunity. It's, it's a way to grow closer to someone. And I know if you've been hurt, that sounds so hollow. But you really can, if you want to, if you want to pursue that relationship, you really can have it be better if you let God heal that wound. And he's really the healer of all the wounds. But if you 
just hold on to it and keep picking at it. You keep picking at the scab and it just never quite heals. And then when it does, it heals with a really nasty scar and that scar has no feeling at all. You can live your way, your life that way too. And you can build up these little parts of your heart that are scarred and scarred and scarred to the point where no one will ever get in. And you may be thinking that's an okay thing, but that's really not how you were designed. It's not really how God made you. He made you for relationship. He made you to be vulnerable and to open yourself up to other people. There are other wounds that we get. Sometimes they happen through circumstances and stress, and I talked about this with my anxiety a little bit. My breakdown in 2018, it was a, it was a wounding of my own making. It was something where over time I had put so much pressure on myself to do my job perfectly, not just well, not adequately, not to meet expectations, not good enough. I had built an expectation upon myself to do my job perfectly. Perfectly. And if I failed, I felt like I failed everyone involved. I was the technical director at Cuyahoga Valley Church, and what that means is I was in charge of about 30 volunteers who did all of the technical things, changing the slides and changing the lights and mixing the sound and uh, recording the services and streaming the services. And there was a term that kind of grew out of that, and it was, well, that's just Sunday Jeff. Because Sunday Jeff wanted it all to be perfect. And Sunday Jeff had so much pressure upon himself to be perfect that he put that pressure upon others and they just kind of, I don't understand honestly why some of the volunteers stayed. They, they loved me beyond what was normal. They loved me and stayed with me even when I was a jerk at times because I wanted it to be perfect. And I felt like if it wasn't perfect, I'd let them down, the volunteers. I felt like I left, let the worship team down. I felt like I left, let the pastors down. And I especially felt like I let the audience and God down. Yeah, that was a lot of weight to carry. And that wound built over time. And that wound got so bad and so untended that it broke, and it broke me in the process. And God allowed it to happen so that I could figure some things out in my life. And some of those things that I learned is we don't have to be perfect. We have to be obedient. We have to be loving and caring. I've learned how to be 
a better friend. I've learned how to be a better manager. I've learned how to be a better pastor. I've learned how to be a better husband because I went through that wounding. And that wounding was so hard and it was so deep and it was so not visible to anybody around. They just thought, well, that's Sunday Jeff, but they didn't realize how deep the wound was until it actually broke. And even then they didn't understand it because when you break a leg and your knee and your knees in a cast or you're on a rollator, when you break your arm and your arms in a sling, when you skin your knee and you're wearing shorts during the summer, people can see the wound and they're, they can see progress in it healing. Eventually the sling goes away. Eventually the cast comes off. Eventually the, the, the scab begins to form and the scar begins to form. But when something breaks inside, there's no metric for people to look at and go, he's getting better or he's not getting better. They can look at how you're responding. And honestly, from when my breakdown happened, I was not catatonic, but I was really close. I couldn't make a decision I couldn't do much of anything. I couldn't really sit down and talk with anybody for any period of time. And some of the greatest things that people did for me during that time were they loved me, but they just kind of were with me. And some of those people were really tiny. One in particular is a little baby named Larissa, and her mom would bring her over and she would just sit in my lap and it was baby therapy. She was my therapy baby. My dog would do the same. My dog knew something was wrong, didn't know what was wrong, but she would not leave my side. And she loved me through it. My wife did the same. My little girl did the same. And it was hard. And, and like I said, people didn't understand what the wound was. They didn't know when it was going to be better or if it was going to be better. And I didn't know when it was going to be better or if it was going to be better. I just knew I had to change some things. When that happened, I saw my doctor first and they said you'd benefit from some medication, an antidepressant. Which as a pastor, when I tell people that I take an antidepressant and that I think they're not wrong, some people look at me like, well, you're just not trusting God. Well, I am, and I'm trusting God to have spoken through my doctor to know that that was one of the things that could help me, and it has. And it helped me with my anxiety when I went and saw a doctor and he gave me something for my anxiety. But part of it is I just needed time to heal. And I needed to change some things in my life as well. Not only did I see my doctor, I saw a counselor. And one of the things the counselor told me, the most important takeaway from my multiple weeks of seeing him was, you can't go back to doing what you were doing before and expect it all to be better. Something has to change. He, he specifically said, people who go through the type of trauma, and yes, it is trauma, that you have gone through with this breakdown, 
they go back and they change their job description. They do something differently. And that's what God showed me, is that I couldn't go back to being the technical director at Cuyahoga Valley Church. I couldn't go back to being Sunday Jeff. I couldn't go back. And I had to convince my bosses that that was the case, so much so that I went to them and said, if you don't have a place for me that's different than what I was doing, then I have to move on. And I don't have any place to go. I don't have a job lined up. But I know I have to go. And I remember my senior pastor looking at me like I was crazy. You're going you're gonna to quit this job with this group of people that loves you, that pays you, pays you as well as it does, and you're going to just quit with nothing on the horizon? And I said yes, and I said yes with enthusiasm because I knew God would catch me and I knew he would take care of me because he had proven himself so trustworthy in the past. That pastor has since reached a, a similar point in his career where he understood that he had to move on and he doesn't have a prospect of where he's going to go, but he's trusting God. And I don't know if what I went through was part of what he took away. Maybe, maybe not. But he's in that situation now and he's trusting God because God is faithful. He will take you through even when you can't see the next step. And we can never see the next step. Sometimes we think we have plans for the next five, six, seven things, but it could all unravel in a heartbeat. The only thing you can do is trust God for the next step. And the only thing you can really do when you're wounded is trust God for your healing. He is the ultimate healer. The Bible in Psalm 139 talks about how he has knit us together in our mother's womb. He made us. Even before we were formed, he knew every day of our life and knew what he wanted to accomplish in and through us. He has plans for us, according to the Bible in Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a, it's a promise to Israel, but it's a promise that we can grasp a hold of for ourselves. And it says that God has a plan, and it's a plan for good for us if we will submit to him, if we will let him take care of the wounds as only he can, as the great physician, as the healer, as the Alpha Omega. He is the one who can heal those wounds in your heart and in your life. And again, I don't know where they're coming from. It could be a relationship. It could be brokenness in your life over something that happened. It could be physical. It could be emotional. It could be spiritual. I was reminded this week after a discussion with somebody in our church who we hadn't seen in a while, but we knew that people were in contact with this person. I finally reached out because I hadn't been hearing things from some of these people that he was okay. So I decided to call and his concern was that he hadn't heard from anybody in a number of months. But at the same time, he had been talking to people. He just hadn't been talking to me as the associate pastor or to the lead pastor. And I had to check my own heart in all of that because yes, 
I failed him in not reaching out sooner, but I trusted the people in the church that were caring for him because it's all of us. It's not just the pastors. It's everybody in a church. But oftentimes people get hurt in situations like that and they won't come back. And in their minds, they say things like, I can't go back there. I was hurt too bad. I, I can't go back to that church because this one person did this to me and, and I, I just, I can't, I can't face them. I can't do it. I've had that conversation with someone recently. But you'll end up with this string of churches that you can't go back to. And I don't say this lightly, but you have to understand that church moved forward after you were gone. They couldn't stop. They kept moving forward. There were other people to be ministered to. There were other needs to be met. There were other things to be taught. There were other things to be corrected. There were other things to to do and love and move forward in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it, in a lot of cases, and I say this very tenderly, it didn't hurt the church that you left. It just hurt you. And then you come to the next church and you're waiting for somebody to hurt you. Oh, it's happened before. I know it's going to happen again. I, I, I just know it. And, and then it becomes self-fulfilling prophecy. And then you've got two and three churches you can't go back to. And then you've got entire denominations you can't go back to, or you've got an entire town full of churches that you can't go back to, or you just have church that you can't go back to. And you become what they call in evangelical Christianity, one of the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. They have no affiliation. They have no church. Yes, they're spiritual. Yes, they may even know Christ and they may be serving him, but they're going to do it on their own because I'm not about to, this is what they say in their minds, I'm not about to go back somewhere and get hurt again. I can't do it. And what happens is they'll just drift farther and farther and farther away. I know what it's like to lose your footing within Christianity. I did it at age 14, and it got easier and easier over my four years of high school to do the things I knew I shouldn't do and to say the things I shouldn't say and to think the things I shouldn't think and to feel the stuff that I shouldn't feel and to be involved in the stuff that I shouldn't be involved in. And it wasn't until I felt God knocking at my heart I felt God knocking at my heart at the age of 18. And he was was just waiting. He was just waiting for me to come back. I've shared with you the story of Luke 15 and that prodigal dad that's waiting on the porch, waiting for his son. Every day he stands on the porch and he waits for his son to come walking up the driveway. And when he sees him, God runs to his son And he invites him back into the family. And that's what happened to me at the age of 18. No matter how far away I had gotten, and it was far, 
It was far for me as a kid who grew up in a Catholic home and, and I knew right from wrong. I got to the point where I could see how attractive it was in the Father's house based on where I was living. Just like that son in that story in Luke 15 got to the point where he was so undone with his life, feeding the pigs and longing to eat what they eat, that he thought, in my father's house, even the servants have it better than I do. So maybe I'll go back and be a servant. And when I, when I got close, when I started walking down that driveway, in 1983, God came running to me and he threw his arms around me and he celebrated the fact that I had come back. And that's what he's waiting for with you. And yes, you'll go back to church, a church, and you'll probably get wounded again. But you can't stop going back. You can't stop fighting for relationship, relationship with God, relationship with other people. You can't stop fighting or you're going to die because God made us for relationship. He made you for relationship. So what do you do with all this today? What do you do with this idea of wounds? First, you have to take some time and you have to spend some time and you have to know where your wounds are at. And you have to be really, really honest with yourself about where they're coming from. If it's somebody, you need to go talk to them. And I know that sounds impossible, but you have to go talk to them. And you're not going to tell them all the things that they did wrong. You're going to tell them that you want to not be wounded anymore and you want to have relationship and you're willing to do what it takes to make it better. I know it's it I know every part of every fiber fiber of your being is saying nope can't do it no 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 can't but you can if you pray and you ask God to give you the strength, he will take you through that. And you'll wish it had never happened to begin with, but you'll be thankful because you'll be closer to the person when all is said and done. If it's a church, you gotta do it. You gotta go, you gotta go back. If you can go back to that church, that's great. Go back and fight for relationship. If it's church in general, go be a part of a church and just fight for the relationships that you can have because they're so great. They can be so wonderful. They can be hurtful, but they can be so wonderful. Go and fight for that. Most of all, if you don't know Christ, all of this rings hollow because you can only do this through his strength. So right now you might need to walk down that driveway toward God and say, please take me in and he will come running to you. 
and he will throw his arms around you and he will put a robe on you and he'll put a ring on your finger and he'll throw a party because you came back. Because he loves you that much. He is that prodigal father. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for your prodigal nature that you love us so much that you are just waiting for us in whatever circumstances we're in to come running to you. If it's for healing in a relationship, if it's for healing within a church, if it's for salvation, you're just waiting for us to come running to you. And Father, when you do, you make things better. So, Father, we surrender to you all that we have, all the wounds that we have. You made us. You formed us. You know every day before it ever happens. You know the wounds that we've gone through. You knew that we were going to go through them, and you want to use them to bring glory and honor to yourself and to, and to bring good to us, to prosper us like Jeremiah 29, 11 says. So, Father, I pray for myself. I pray for everyone who's been wounded somewhere. Be our physician. Be our healer so that we can fight for what it is that you want from us, which is relationship, relationship with you and relationship with one another. Father, be glorified today and draw all people to yourself. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being a part of this. As always, I want to hear your stories. Go to aural, A-U-R-A-L dash history.com. Click on the email link. Click on the chat button. Tell me what's going on because I want to hear from you. aural dash history.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just look for aural history. You can find us on all of the podcast platforms. Subscribe and keep listening. You can follow us on Patreon as well and become a patron if you wish. Thank you so much for listening today. We'll be back soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Aural History. This has been a production of Z Media and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. Join us again next time.